Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. This is Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert here on September 12th, 2018, with another podcast. We're going to talk about two really important things, you four, vitally important, and also talk a little bit more about finding products. So I know we have a couple new members in the group who um, – who really don't know where to start. So I'm going to start there with, with some more ideas and um, things about how do you find stuff to sell, which is basically the most important thing about this whole, this whole business is you got to sell the good stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to explain a little bit about how I started and I hope um, other people um, will be able to chime in, um, especially in the Facebook group when this podcast is over about ideas. So I have one thing I really think is really important when you're looking at stuff to sell. And um, you have to be interested in it enough in the items you choose to sell to want to live with them every day. And I don't mean physically have them in your house and live with them, but you're going to have to be thinking about them every day in one way or another. You're going to think about how to advertise them, what keywords you're going to pick, how to photograph them, how to describe them, how to answer customer questions. Um, I get a couple questions every day from Amazon buyers asking, you know, would this work in this, this thing I want to do? So you have to become familiar enough with your products to help your customers. Um, and you just have to want to think about it. And I'll go back to the thing I don't want to think about and I don't want to sell, and that's toys. Because I don't, I don't know anything about them because I don't have kids and I don't have nieces and nephews and all that. So um, it would be such a learning curve, and it's not something I would, like, wake up excited to learn about. So I think that is, to me, that's vitally important because I don't want to just do this business um, and not enjoy it. You know, it's, it's too much work to not at least enjoy what you're doing. Um, that's why I have, I have chosen art craft as my, my focus of my business. And within that focus, you know, there's millions of things. If you like, um, garden stuff, you could pick gardening as your niche. And you know what? That is a huge niche. Everything from gardening tools to gardening decor to gardening clothes, to gardening books, to gardening DVDs, all that kind of stuff. It's a huge niche. So I, I like to tell people that in, when you're selecting your niche on Amazon, think of it as building a brick-and-mortar store. And um, what would you put in, in your ideal brick-and-mortar store? Because it, it's the same thing. You know, it's, it's stuff that you like, that you think will sell, that you can make money on, that you enjoy working with. So if you um, if you're new um, and haven't you have no idea what to sell, you need to sit down with a piece of paper and just start. What do I like doing? Um, you know, it may be cooking, it may be doing makeup, it may be um, bicycle racing, it, whatever it is. What are the things that you enjoy doing? And then you have to backtrack and and pick things that would make a viable Amazon business. I mean, there are some things that really don't work, and I'll give you guys a great example for this one. Ron's favorite thing to do is photography. Number one, photography. But the Amazon business model 
doesn't work for small sellers selling cameras and all that kind of stuff. It's all tied up by the big by Amazon themselves and the big boys. Um, and so he decided to not pursue that particular niche. And you'll find other niches that are the same way that are tied up so much by Amazon that um, you can't afford to get into it. I mean, one return on a $5,000 Nikon camera would, would kill a small business. So, so not everything you want to sell is viable on Amazon, just like it's not viable in, a, in certain brick-and-mortar stores. You know, it wouldn't work. Um, so first thing, get that list together, okay? Now that you've gotten the list together, now you need to find out, is that niche viable, okay? Poke around a bit on Amazon, see things that are in the niche, and learn a little bit, bit about the, the sellers in the niche. Um, that's vitally important to, knew, to know who your competition is. See if, if you know, it seems like it, there are products available in this niche that third-party sellers are selling and selling successfully. You can, you know, look at sales rank, and if it's 12 million in home and garden, then probably not. That's not a good product to focus in on. But this this part is really time-consuming, and I know people really want um, that easy solution. But the low-hanging fruit, the easy solution, is not how you're going to make money on Amazon. Um, you have to do the little bit of harder work and find the sources then that other people aren't finding. Um, in my niche, I, I bring products in from India and Israel and now Germany on a regular basis. Um, small enough amounts that, you know, and my products are small so they can fit in a box, you know, kind of thing. I don't need trucks or containers or any of that kind of stuff. But, um, but oh, Mary Jo, I just saw, Mary Jo said it seems easier for me to find what doesn't work instead of what works. Yeah, you can go, I've gone days. Well, I keep looking and looking and looking, and it's like dead end, dead end, dead end. And then all of a sudden, you'll find that yellow brick road where you'll find a small niche um, of something that you can grow on Amazon. Um, I brought a new line of products in and a niche in the crafts field that I knew a tiny bit about, enough to know what they were used for and the very, very minimal basics on how you could use them. But it was a name that was really well respected in this niche because I Googled and looked, you know. Um, so I started carrying this niche. And I let it, this niche ride for about, oh, it's been five years now. I found them at a trade show. Um, and a couple people have come off and on on the listings. None of them have stuck around for any length of time. And I sell enough of these products that I reorder every week. Um, so then I thought, okay, now I know a little bit more about the products in this niche. Let me find someone else who sells these products. So I just Googled around um, on some uh, websites devoted to the product, to the niche, you know, like, like people, you know, do their hobby stuff and they put it up. And I found a name that came up a fair bit. In, in blogs and things like that. Um, and I looked and it wasn't on Amazon. And I went to their web, the company's website. Um, they're based here in the US. Um, the products are small, light, and relatively expensive for the size, you know. Um, easy to pack, easy to ship. So I wrote to them and the guy answered me back. This was probably in May. He answered me back and said, 
yes, um, we're, we're interested in getting on Amazon. In fact, Amazon has contacted us a couple times about carrying our products, but we just didn't want to deal with it. And so, you know, I did that whole spiel, like is in the file section about why you should sell to me instead of to Amazon. And he agreed. He said, this is like the ideal solution. My products will be on Amazon, but I don't have to deal with Amazon. I just deal with you. And um, so I ordered a fair bit. I think I ordered $500. His opening order was $250, but I ordered $500 worth of stuff. And it came, and they provided images, big images, like 5,000 pixels on a site images. Um, I probably ordered 50 different SKUs. Three of each was their minimum, 50 different SKUs. And it, it came in a smallish box. That's how small these things are. And so I put off making the listings and put off making the listings, you know, and just kind of because it was a small box, it, was, it wasn't in my face a lot. So finally, when Ron was in the UK last month, I sat down and I made listings for all these. So if you get the timeline, I ordered in May. I got in probably the first part of June. I didn't start making the listings till August. That's like really bad because I sold out of all of that first batch of stuff like within three or four days. It was just amazing. And I seldom look at reviews on the products I list. Um, it's not something I go in and check, but I just had to go, I had to go in to do something on one of them. And the review was, thank goodness these products are finally at Amazon. I hope you carry the entire line. Well, there's probably 4,000 products in the entire line, so I'm going to work my way up. I've, I've reordered twice since, since August um, of their stuff reordered the stuff I'd sold out of and then added more SKUs. I added probably 30 more SKUs the first time and added another 30 the second reorder. So I can keep building the line. And most of these are, there's probably eight main products lines and everything else is a variation. So I only had to make eight major listings. And then what I'm doing now is the um, adding variations to it. So this is the case of I was willing to learn about this niche enough to know the products, enough to know who the big players in, in it were, and find something like that. Um, these are the products are handmade. Um, some are made in um, the home state of the company, and then some are are made in China, but they are all made by hand. Um, they aren't machine made, so there's still that kind of cachet with them. So. Um, you can guys can imagine what is my next goal to find another product line in this niche um, because it's it seems to be I did not realize this particular craft was still as big as it was that's all I can say because I didn't know but I learned so um, you got to keep going in whatever niche you choose keep researching keep looking um, go to trade shows because I didn't ever got started down this path if I hadn't gone to a trade show and found the first guy's products. Because um, I probably would have not thought of the niche as being viable. Because you kind of, you know, you just get stuff stuck in your head and you don't realize. So um, I still am a huge believer in the biggest way to grow this business is to go to a trade show. I think you can do fine without one. You can do okay without one. But if you really want to grow, that's the only way you are going to be able to push past these certain barriers. And I found over the years selling on Amazon, there seems to be barriers at certain levels of sales um, where people get stuck. Um, 
Ron was stuck last year. He didn't grow nearly as much as he expected. Um, and he was at one of those levels. Um, I, I think the levels are um, 25000 a year, so you're doing you know 2000 a month. I think 50000 is another big stick point. Then comes the $100,000 stick. Then comes the $250,000 stick and the $500,000. Um, I push past all of my sticks um, by just by just sheer getting products. That's the only way. And I've been I was um, stuck at the fifty thousand when I first started for a year. And I just and then I decided, okay, this is stupid. Go to another trade show, and that burst it open because I made contacts. Um, and it may be things that don't um, you don't see the results of immediately after the trade show, but things will happen. And you need to be known by your vendors. You need to talk to them face-to-face and, and all that stuff that, that especially Ellie and I talk about, the whole relationship building thing. Because if something changes in their business, you, you want to be the, first, the person they call, not be at the bottom of the list. Um, and at a trade show, I have found that going in and asking for what I want from a vendor sometimes works. I went to this last trade show. And my biggest supplier, um, I said that I made an appointment because they they are so busy that if you don't have an appointment, it's really hard to see them. So made an appointment and sat down and I said, Rob, what can I do to get a bigger discount off the prices I'm getting now? And he looked at me and not didn't bat an eye. So it's like he had this answer ready. He says, buy in quantities of 10 and you'll get 15% off. So instead of ordering eight or nine, you know, as I do uh, my restocking with Restock Pro's recommendations and then kind of my gut on top of it. So instead of ordering nine, I order one more and I get 15% off. And that one more doesn't add anything to shipping because they ship for free. So ask. That was like genius because I've been doing a lot of orders in the seven, eight, and nine range just because I didn't know because that's what I would sell over of that particular item over the next 30 days. So that's what I was reordering. Um, so now I'll reorder in these tens for the, the SKUs that are close enough to it. Um, and the reason why he picked 10 is the product is made in Germany and comes from Germany and it is, um, they're in poly bags and there's a Split in the poly bag, you know, for hanging on on slat walls on the the hooks on slat walls. Well, they come uh, with a twist tie in bundles of ten. So if you order less than that, somebody in the warehouse has to take that twist tie off, take one off, and all that kind of stuff. Whereas if you order in tens, they just pick up the whole twist tie bundle and put it in the the picking cart. So they save labor, um, and we're willing to pass it on. So. Another reason for trade shows. Um, I've got one scheduled, brand new one I've never been to in Houston in um, November. First, I, I leave on Halloween, um, and it runs the first few days of November. So it will be interesting. It's a niche that I used to know really, really well because I was involved in it every single day for 20 years. And then in the past 10 years, I haven't done it at all, not a bit. So it will be interesting to see how much things have changed from what I knew 10 years ago and what's in and trendy as to what is now, because it will be a big learning experience. Um, so 
you know, I don't know that's a show that I'll come with a lot of products out of, but if you don't go to these shows, you'll never know. And I envy, I envy people who live close enough to drive to a show. This one's in Houston, so um, another flight. But, boy, if you live anywhere near a show, um, and, and if you can get there in an hour and don't have to stay overnight, even if it's not a niche you love, I would go if, it, if you can manage it because you'll learn so much. And you can practice your negotiation skills and your, your pitch about why they should sell to you on products that you may not care about so much, or if it's your niche of products, you really, really care um, if you get the deal. And sometimes that can come across as too, um, I don't want to say pushy because that de- and desperate is not the word, but somewhere in that kind of thing. If you can, um, if you can practice on, on products that you could, you don't really care if you get it or not. It's, it's a great practice. So, um, that's where I want to leave the whole sourcing thing. Um, so new, you, my newbies, the first thing um, that I want you to do is start looking at what niches you want to sell. And that the niche doesn't have to be small. It can be huge, but you've got to start somewhere. You have to narrow it down. And you may want to narrow it down by picking the things you don't want to sell. Like, I don't want to sell clothing. I don't want to sell toys. I don't want to sell cosmetics. I don't want to sell ingestible things. Um, but that leaves it. That means you can rule those out and you can start honing in. So Greg says he went to a show two weeks ago and found two new lines. Awesome. And also found lots of other products that Amazon was already selling. Yep, that happens. Here's the thing. Don't lose track of those products if you think they're viable because um, Ron had a a wholesaler manufacturer's woman develop this line of products that he's selling. Um, contact him and say, hey, we're sick of selling to Amazon. Um, when they sell out of what they have now, we're not going to be selling any more to them. Would you like to really carry all of our products? Because he only carried a few that Amazon didn't have. So, so don't lose track of them. Maybe drop them a line every once in a while or look on Amazon and see if Amazon's still selling them. Um, I think the pendulum is swinging a bit where, where especially small vendors, manufacturers, they want to be on Amazon, but they don't want to sell to Amazon. Um, and that's, that's our golden thing, like this new product line. That's, you know, he wanted to be on it. The learning curve seemed huge for him, so he just kind of put it in the back burner. You know? um, and, Greg, that may happen with, with some of the ones that you've looked at. So um, I want to talk now a little bit about Q4, which will be here in two weeks or so, two and a half weeks. Um, if you're new to this business, don't panic. Um, don't feel like you have to do everything right now that for this Q4, um, especially if you're just starting on Amazon. You do what you can with what you have, and you make the best of it. So if you're just starting and don't have a huge budget for products, that's, that's reality. Um, and you have to buy smart, buy products that move quickly so you can get your money back and buy more products and get them in. But um, for those of us who have been on Amazon a while, um, I really think it's important that you do the homework I've given, especially the one about finding out if businesses are going to run out of product, 
how is their shipping looking, all that kind of stuff, because you don't want to run out because they run out in November. And it may be if they project, if they say, hey, we have, you know, 5,000 units left um, and we expect to be sold out by the first part of November, you want to make sure you get yours now. So um, when November rolls around, you're not stuck. And when they say, well, our next container won't be until February. Um, you really have to do that. Ron got caught last year with his biggest supplier, ran out of product early, and he hadn't contacted them to have them either hold the product or ship it to his prep center or something. So I don't want you guys to end up in that situation. Um, vendors want to run out of product as close to the end of the year as possible. Um, they don't want to run out early, but they can make mistakes in, in numbers. The product could sell far better than they thought it would, and they will run out. Um, you know, the goal is to run out at um, on New Year's Eve at, you know, a minute before midnight, um, but doesn't always work that way. So please don't let yourself caught, be caught without product. Um, most vendors will just answer an email and tell you where they stand with stuff. Um, and then you can be a little more forewarned about when you need to order. Grab your calendar, put the stuff in your calendar, and then you can grab your budgeting homework that was the last one and figure out when you're going to buy the stuff and how much you're going to buy. Because it's that's a question without those two pieces of information, you're just guessing. Um, if you don't have, if you don't know how much you can spend and you don't know when you need to buy the stuff, then everything else is a guess. Um, retail is guessy enough, you know, that we have to guess how, what the demand will be for these products and all of that. So, so don't guess on your budget and don't get caught without products. Boy, that is, it's just painful. Um, the other thing I, I really want to impress upon you is have everything done now that you can so you don't have to worry about it. Um, that can be everything from um, lining up meals to having, you know, uh, shirts taken to the laundry and have them press them instead of you doing it. All these little things that eat up a lot of time that don't make money um, that are cheaper to farm out, um, please think about doing them because uh, you, you don't want Q4 to be this hugely stressful thing. It's Amazon is stressful enough. Um, you need to get um, you need to get all these things in place. So when things start speeding up, it's kind of like a treadmill where it starts real slow, you know, and you can keep up easily. You know, you can read a book while you're walking on the treadmill because it's it's slow enough, and then it slowly speeds up, and things start happening faster and faster. And you don't want to be that that person on the treadmill that gets thrown off the end and then revolves around in the cartoons, you know, where they have the person that ends up going around and around and around. Um, a lot of that peace and tranquility will come from being prepared. Um, you don't want to run out of tape on a Sunday night when you're trying to get a huge shipment out on Monday morning. You just, you can't, you cannot function effectively with that kind of pressure, you know? So get your ducks lined up. If you've been through Q4 before, you know where the sticking points are in it for you. Um, you know what takes the most time to deal with. You know, um, how you'll know how long it takes to process a shipment when it comes in if you've done it before. So you can budget out the time. 
to do it. Um, I think the most important thing about Q4 is getting product in. Don't leave it sit. Um, contrary to my leaving those craft um, tools sitting for two months, but it wasn't Q4. It was the summer. Um, and I keep kidding myself and saying, oh, they wouldn't have sold in the summer anyway. Yeah, they probably would have, but, you know. Um, but your number one goal now is to turn product around. You get a shipment in. You do what it takes to get it turned around and go out. Get it out the door. Then you can breathe and take on the other things that may not be as focused on making the money at that moment. But you have to make the money. Um, uh, Mary Jo says she just bought a new laser printer and prep for Q4 and her old one's backup. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, Ron and I have figured out what to do in pretty much if anything goes wrong kind of situations. Um, we have stocked up on, we have each have a Dymo. So if one dies, we can use the other person's. We each have a zebra printer that we got from UPS. So that's doubled up. We have a black and white laser printer and a color laser printer, and we have extra cartridges for all of those. Um, we have um, two cases of tape, so each case is 36 rolls, so we're not going to run out of tape. Um, we have the length of a car worth of cardboard boxes from Uline. You know, if you laid them on end, there's like 12 feet of boxes for shipping in. Um, trying to get all that stuff done now. Um, bubble wrap. I just got more bubble wrap. I just got more um, um, bubble bags, you know, those little bubble out bags. I pack some of the jewelry I sell in those. So get all that stuff together. Make sure you know where it is. Um, I'm in this clean out the, the attic, which is not really an attic. It's a space over the garage that has a door from my artist studio. And it's not full height, but it's where we store everything. And it's got um, you know, can lights in the ceiling and um, vinyl flooring. So it's it's decent. It's not heated, but it's decent. Cleaning that out so I can find whatever I need for Amazon quickly instead of going through piles of old books and magazines and clothes that haven't been worn in 15 years and all that. So so get get the physical things you need ready. Um, if you don't, you're going to be sorry. Get your products in. So you're ready. Make sure you have a plan in place for tracking what you have ordered already, um, how you receive it in, and what system you use to send it to Amazon. Um, some people use spreadsheets. Some people use pieces of paper. Some people use a program like Restock Pro or Inventory Lab. Um, doesn't matter what it is as long as it works and you use it. If it works and you don't use it, it's pointless. You know, having it on your computer doesn't mean anything. But, but get that in place so you know as things start to, to bump up in sales that you know, okay, I've got, well, I've got 50 more of those coming in. I'm fine for a while. Watch those kind of things so you don't run out. Um, I don't know what, that's the worst thing. And I can say that a lot of my business growth over the past two years is because I haven't run out of stuff as much. I still run out. Um, you know, if there's a day's delay in checking in, I play it that close to the line, trying not to get storage fees out of hand. Um, then I may go a day or two out of stock. Um, but um, the the whole thing is to have 
everything as streamlined as possible. Um, if you have people prep for you, make sure you have everything they need, that they have the space where they can work effectively um, just to get things done. Because, you know, in the end, um, Amazon's hard, retail is hard. Let's make it as painless as we can. And Wendy says she's not moved in their new barn yet. They've had some water issues that need to be fixed before we can fitting, finish putting up insulation and drywall. Then I should be able to move in some nice space over there. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I'm a little green with envy, but that's okay because um, I'm really happy for you, Wendy. It is when you have a nice space to work. It just makes all the difference. Um, and you'll have to send us video when we're ready. So, um, so I'm going to make this a short and quick podcast um, unless you guys have questions. It's um, two, two, two things to take away. One is if you don't know where to start, you've got to start narrowing down and pretend you order own a brick-and-mortar store. And I think that analogy works for a lot of people who are kind of like, what do I start selling? At least it gives you a place to start. Um, the second thing is be prepared for Q4. I have to say, I have never found it as stressful as a lot of people seem to post in other groups. You know, our group isn't drama, so they don't they don't post, you know, these, these drama-filled, angst-ridden posts about Q4 and how horrible it is. I, I don't find, I find it longer hours, but I also find it more money. So, um, so I think with a lot of preparation now, in these next two weeks, you can really save yourself a lot of agony later. So you get, you get all your supplies in place. You get your order. The, some people call it your open-to-order plan. What your ordering plan is for the next three months. What are you going to do to, over the next three months? When are you going to order product? Um, once you know that, then you can get your prep people in place or get the kids ready to start prepping. You, can, you will make sure you have enough bags, boxes, all of that ready to go so when the stuff goes, it can come in and out. You're not looking for a box to put it in to send it back. Or, oh, no, I ran out of um, bubble wrap. Now what am I going to do, that kind of thing. So um, I, I agree that um, in the chat, Q4 excites me a lot more than it stresses me. It does me too because I just like, I like the money. You know, um, and it is always exciting to look at your order page and say, oh, wow, you know, um, instead of going an hour between orders, you go, you know, minutes between orders on the order page. So um, so I'll let you guys get back to work. Um, we will be posting in the group about the future webinars that are coming up. Those of you who were here early will know about those. We'll post details about that. And I also want to, I'm going to start today a, um, in the group for just today, September 12th, and ask me anything. Um, since I will be processing stuff all a day, I will be at the computer and can answer questions and all that kind of stuff. So thank you guys for joining me for a quick and down and dirty podcast. Um, get, get busy on your homework if you haven't already. And we will see you in the Facebook group. Bye-bye now.